This is Sex with Ghosts with your two favorite hosts, Bridget and Molly. Today, I am leading the discussion, but before we get to it, I think you had mentioned something that has happened to you recently that kind of ties in to what I'm going to talk about today. Yes. I bought a computer recently, and it's been acting up, and the only explanation I can think of is that it's ghosts. And I've never felt this way about anything in my entire life, so it is really a new experience for me. When technology goes wrong... If there's not a logical explanation for it, it just feels like ghosts is the answer. Does that make sense? Well, before we started recording, I was hearing like weird noises. Oh, no. You had you turned it on the Zoom and then walked away. And then occasionally I would hear what sounded like voices and I would look up and there's no one in the room. Okay, that's spooky. (sighs) So, yeah, I think I I think that that's definitive proof that your computer is obviously haunted. I think so. I'm glad it's going away. Then it will haunt someone else. No, it's not like the ring, I don't think. But speaking of the ring and the computer and the Internet, today's topic is the Slender Man. Oh, okay. I do not know too much about it besides the general news media coverage of the weird murders of the small children and stuff like that. Yes, we will definitely go into the murder today or the murder attempt, which is still pretty bad. <laughs> I don't mean like murder yes, attempt. Right. Like it was just an attempt, <laughs> but I guess it's better than someone actually dying. Yes. Uh, so Slender Man goes by several names. Sometimes Slendy, sometimes the Tall Man, sometimes you'll see Shorthand SM, and there's there's also countless other names. These are the two Slendy and Tall Man are the ones that I've seen most frequently in my internet haunts. But this really is a story of internet forums, nostalgia, and mental illness. And as you mentioned, murder. That's exciting. And every time I say this, it's like every other episode we've ever recorded. And so I I picked this because it is tied to the internet, which has been huge right now. I mean, the internet's always so heavily linked to current events but i feel like especially like with conspiracies because we grew up with like bloody mary yes and we had to imagine what bloody mary looked like does that make us old (laughs) yes it does we had to think about what this ghastly woman who in my childhood story if she touched you your nails would fall off oh that's interesting do you do you remember your Bloody Mary? Oh no, I stayed very far away from it. I know that I tried to stay away from it as much as possible, but mostly I think it was just avoiding going into bathrooms in the dark. Yes. Stay out of bathrooms in the dark. Most terrifying moments of your childhood is being in a bathroom in the dark. So Slender Man Kind of has very interesting origins because it did happen. It was documented on the internet. Yeah. There's like a whole controversy that I'm not going to go into because honestly, I thought it was a snooze fest. Ah! And that is folklore versus fake lore and and Slender Man is fake lore and here's why. And honestly, I think that trying to differentiate that is kind of ridiculous because folklore comes from yeah. a likely event that happened that turned into hearsay. And while like Slender Man was literally birthed on the internet, I feel like we really don't know what the truth behind most folklore. There's a lot of like, oh, there was this event, but a lot of times there's not definitive proof that that event was a causation of the myth. Or was it revisionist history? Yeah. There's kind of a lot of that with Slender Man. So you're scared of Bloody Mary. Are you scared with scared of Slender Man? Luckily, I was too old and too not caring when I first heard about it that I was just like, oh, that's nice. 
I'm I'm never going to deal with that and never going to look it up. So I don't I really don't know anything about it. So you avoided it like dark bathrooms. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So the murder it did Slenderman really entered into mainstream media in 2014, the end of May, when two 12 year old girls from Waukesha. Waukesha? Waukesha. Yeah. When Kesha came out, I kept calling her like Keisha, and that's like half of this word. So it's very confusing for me. Yes, but I do like Kesha. Unrelated. Unrelated, but yes, I've grown to like her. So these two girls, I mean, this is obviously very horrific. They stabbed their close friend 19 times in attempt to be a proxy or a servant for the ghoul. And I'll I'll get into this story, but first we're going to start with some origin stuff. My own personal history with this guy is very interesting timing because while his origins start in 2009, I started fuck fucking with the Reddit. <laughs> around 2012-ish. So this is before the murder, but I got really deep into the no sleep subreddit. Oh, yes, yes. And the creepy subreddit. And the no sleep subreddit motto is everything is true here, even if it's not. So of course, you know, I find the the creepypasta of Slenderman. If you don't know what a creepypasta is, it's basically... The Internet's Urban Legend. The name comes from Copypasta, which is a block of text that is copied from website to website. So it's a punny name. I do want to mention one thing about my history with Slenderman, because I was definitely aware of him in the zeitgeist. But for me, I think I was old enough that it all felt like a parody and so I always kind of considered it more like a haha meme kind of thing until 2014. And then I was like, oh, people actually think about this in real terms. And then I was like, whoa, my mind's blown. I thought this was just a joke. First off, I feel judged. And second off, you're actually kind of exactly right. Because the conception of Slenderman happened, like I said, in 2009, when something awful for him, which predates 4chan had a photoshop contest and the the contest was to i think it was like a creepy photo sort of thing and the guy who originated slender man his name was eric nudson um and his username was victor surge and what he did was he posted these two black and white photos with like a tall shadowy man in the background with children in the foreground. And this website, if you don't, if you don't know what something awful is, it's a comedic forum. So it's by design. It's like, we are creating content out of amusement. This is yeah. not like the no sleep subreddit. Sure, where yeah, it's like, yeah. Are people freaked out by this? Yeah. This is literally a website. that's like, isn't this, Goofy. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's totally what I was thinking. And when he posted the photos, he had captions for each one. So for one photo, it was, we didn't want to go. We didn't want to kill them. But it's persistent silence and it's outstretched arms horrified and comfort us at the same time. 1983 photograph, unknown, presumed dead. And then the second caption was, one of two recovered photographs from the Sterling City Library blaze, notable for being taken the day which 14 children vanished, and for what is referred to as the Slender Man. Deformity cited as film defects by officials. Fire at library occurred one week later. Actual photograph confiscated as evidence. 1986, photographer Mary Thomas, missing since June 13th, 1986. So, I mean, it's it has that ooh, spooky right, horror right, movie yeah. vibe from the get-go. And of course, because this is like on a forum with a bunch of nerds that are in this kind of stuff, it turns into this huge viral mythical hit. Yeah. Um, yeah. You have people adding to the lore on this thread, this thread gets carried to other channels like the previously mentioned 4chan. It gets carried over to Reddit. The image of the man kind of evolves. It's always like a shadowy figure, but more specifically, people add a suit. They add no face. There's some depictions of him with tentacles. 
And there's always a reoccurring theme that he's hanging out with children or befriending children or at least stalking children. Sure. This was such a hit. And people took this concept as so far to create like a fake history of this guy. So people made like photoshopped Brazilian cave paintings. Oh, Egyptian man. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. That's so fucking funny. See, it is even funny now, even though like people took it to an extreme. It's just a shame that that the joke. Yeah, a very well. And, and it made a very flatline joke. Um, There's even a 16th century German woodcut prince. People did Photoshop newspaper articles that oh were like, God, I love someone it. mysteriously vanished and this was printed in the 1980s. There was a lot of, and I can, you know, sort of attest to this as someone who saw Slenderman prior to these murders. There was a creepiness to it, right? Like, sure, even though yeah. you knew it was made up. It's a, inherently creepy is not the right word, but it is, there are certain things in our society that people are going to immediately associate with creepy and yeah his whole vibe is definitely yeah shadowy guy who hangs out with children already that alone is like absolute freak in our society yeah it's true yeah i think the aesthetic too a lot of it models itself after like more of a anime it's taken on a, another characteristic of also being sort of like a comic book character in some Definitely. regards. I completely agree. I understand what you're saying. So then they did make a huge or huge-ish Hollywood feature of this movie that happened. I, I think they got the rights before the murder, but then it came out while the girls were still going through trial. Yeah, yeah. So critically... It was like a huge flop. And I think we can probably say because it was too soon. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. the plot line of the movie was following early teen girls deal with their small town yeah. through this ghostly entity. And so that's why I'll, I'll jump into the murder now. Okay. What we all came here for. True. I so actually I well, I think it's just been too long. I didn't I don't know I realized that she had survived. Well yeah, I, I think that's the interesting part of this is her survival wasn't even the the discussion people were having. Right, yeah, it wasn't. At they all. were talking about the murder and they were talking about it it's interesting. Um while researching this, finding out what people took from the event. Because yeah. a lot of the articles that were available in researching this were also contemporary with the court proceedings and the event itself. And it's 2021 now. This happened in 2014. I don't believe that everything was settled court-wise until 2018. Even 2020, I think think uh one of the girls involved had filed some sort of appeal so like it's still very fresh and you have a lot of fresh reactions and very few of them actually talk about what's going on i think one of the best sources for this that i found and i hate to sort of say this because it was tv but was the hbo doc beware of the slender man there's one major bizarre tangent where they compared Slender Man to the Pied Piper because I guess in some Pied Piper myth, he had a relationship with children. Interesting. Never heard that. And I feel like that's not an isolated folkloric attribute. So that's why I thought it was a very bizarre tangent. I thought, oh, there's going to be like a giant connection between the two. And it was like, no, here's an interesting example of a historical folklore character that spent some time with children that no one understood what the exact relationship between the Pied Piper and the children actually was. Because for the most part, that myth is like he led them to a mountain and they all disappeared together. And we don't know what the relationship was. It was just he wanted children. But I feel like, again, that's like sort of us as humans trying to like relate this 
new entity, so to speak, yeah. to something that's happened before, which I guess I should say this, but I feel like I've probably said this before on this podcast, and if I haven't, this is something deeply rooted. <laughs> no, we have. We talked about connections. There's very little literal original thought in humans. Yeah, and yeah. we will look to examples to sort of signify some sort of normalcy or pattern. That's what we do. It's part of our survival patterns are good to recognize overall. Um, that being said, I'll just jump into it. Um, so Morgan Geyser and Anissa Weir, and I could be saying their names wrong. Um, I believe in the stuff I was, I either read their name. I think even in the documentary, they mostly, the names are displayed. I don't think anyone refers to anyone's last name. So if I'm mispronouncing it, I'm very sorry. Like I said, they're from this fair-sized city of Waukesha. It's about 70,000 in population. It's outside of Milwaukee, which I think both of us have spent some sort of time in that region, so can relate and understand the land a little bit on our end. The two were your average weird kids. They didn't fit in. They didn't have friends. They're at that age where they talk about popularity, you know? And notably, Anissa was like very much bullied. She really struggled in school that way. I don't think I saw any deep explorations of Morgan's status, but I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe emotionally she handled it differently, but yeah, probably same boat. The pair met while taking the same bus to school. Anissa switched schools and ended up on Morgan's bus route. And they became thick as thieves mm -hmm. or thick as murderers. Um, oh, boy. And the parents were very supportive. They loved that their daughters had found, like, yeah. that friend. Right. Which is so funny because, like, while reading this story, I also thought, what if I had met? <laughs> like, my high school best friend who you met was is Laurel. And if Laurel and I had met at that age, or even you and I, honestly. Yeah. Like, you think about all the 20-something shenanigans we got into. If we had met as preteen children, we probably might have really fucked up our lives. Yeah, I don't even know. I, I can't even imagine. Because I just, I was never in that kind of situation. I didn't have a best friend through that time, I wouldn't say. So, yeah, I don't think I can really relate to that kind of deep, deep bond that these girls appear to have had. Yeah, I would say my, at this age, my friends were extreme Christians and I was raised Catholic. Mm, yes, yes. Which I always find funny because when I meet people and I say I'm raised Catholic, they have these, all these like, oh, well, your parents must have been like strict or all these ideas. And it's like, no, my mom had like weird concepts that I think are from being like a second generation Irish person, but I watched the movie seven when it came out on cable with my mom. Wow. That's kind of crazy. The idea of intelligence probably to my mom's chagrin by the time I was in high school was very much a high standard in our family rather than huge religious concepts. So like when I was 12 and 13, I was hanging out with girls who are like, if I said damn, they'd be like, oh my God, that's a swear word. Oh my goodness. So it's very, you know, it's a very weird, it's the worst time of your life. I feel like it is. Yeah. For it feels like it's for everyone, which then like in hindsight, you're like, wait, why were we all miserable? Is that just how it was? Just everyone has to be miserable. I think it had to be hormones, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> your body is telling you all this new stuff and you're like, what is going on? <laughs> Fuck you. 
Fuck yeah. everyone. Good lord. Just some dumb facts about these girls. Morgan was a surprise baby. Her parents weren't really planning for children. But Morgan turned out to be like really special to them. She was outspoken and creative. Anissa, she was raised in a house where her parents kept the doors open for supervision, you know, and they were like, you can only spend this amount of time on the computer. And I point those things out because I think that's really, both of those scenarios are really common. Yeah, definitely. So there's nothing about these girls as being like, they were outlandishly bad or temperamental. The biggest thing to note that kept coming up in my research is that they just socially didn't fit in. No, that makes a lot of sense. They were normal kids, which I was kind of curious about. I never did any research, but sometimes the only way you can understand those kind of things is to chalk it up to, no, they were probably like terrible people, but then no, you you come to realize they were actually pretty normal. They had normal lives and still they got to this point. Yeah, I, I think the in, in my research, I think the problem was they were probably infantilized for like too long, mm-hmm. which is a huge conversation in parenting. Yes. Probably more so in the last, I don't know, 40 years. I feel like as in the 1800s, you started working at the age of 12. Yeah, yeah. Or got as assigned a husband. True. If you're born a girl. And kind of going through that, and, and that was the problem I was having, is reading this sort of satanic panic reaction of like, well, we need to start monitoring our children. Yeah. It's like, these were parents who thought they were doing that. And these are also parents who encouraged their daughters, 12-year-olds, to still believe in Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy. Mm. So maybe the problem isn't so much like these are bad people or into bad hobbies because there's plenty of people. I started this fucking podcast with you because I love all this weird shit. Yeah. Ghosts do exist and you can have sex with them. And they're haunting my computer. And I haven't murdered anyone, you know, and you haven't murdered anyone that I know about. Just so hard because I'm really of two minds on that because there is the notion that people's frontal cortex isn't developed until you're like 25. So then it's like, how are we letting 18 year olds make these decisions? Because they're clearly not fully formed. But at the same time, I don't know how to deal with that kind of mismatch you can't keep them children for 25 years but but i think the largest thing is communication it's sort of weird that parents are telling their kids that this fat man in a red suit is coming down and bringing them gifts when they're not and i know that's like a sad notion to take away magic but if you actually studied fucking magic it's also in the power of thought and and focus and like there's other aspects to magical thinking than some pervert giving you a treat. Yeah. For example, I guess I can only speak to my own situation. My parents never told me Santa Claus doesn't exist. I just knew. And, you know, they continued to be like, this is Santa Claus's gift, but I knew that it wasn't. And I just played along because that's what you do. So at what point is it like, are they actually like sitting down with their parents and being like, is Santa Claus real? And the parents are coming back and saying yes. Or is it more just like, they're just going along with this thing? Well, I think the parents create that narrative. And it's funny because I remember, (laughs) I remember being in kindergarten and I swear to God, it's like nap time. They put on like some video. And I remember whispering with kids next to me like, is Michael Jackson a boy or a girl? Oh, because he could hit those high notes. And it was so confusing. And to me, it's similar because there's this like, we're trying to figure things out as six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 year olds without asking an adult. Yeah. Because at some point you kind of find that the adults, whatever the fuck they're telling you, seems to be 
inconsistent. So yeah. you're like looking to your peers for answers for things that does not make any sense. For sure. Whereas if parents were just like, I'm being transparent and forward with you. Here's the answer. But also, I'm not a parent. And I have heard parents publicly say, whether it's like their Facebook status or Twitter thing, like, if I did not lie to my children, my children would not behave. Yeah, I think there is that to be said for too. There's these incentives that we've made up. Yeah. Uh, that pervert will not come down the chimney. Yeah. That's part of the reason why you go along with it as a kid. Because you're like, if I tell my parents Santa doesn't exist, do I not get the gift? Exactly. I wasn't going to say anything. Yeah, I'm writing this out as long as I'm getting the reward. So it's very confusing for everybody involved. Absolutely. So I was able to watch a lot of the testimony from both the girls. A lot of what I watched was sort of edited to create a narrative. And I say that because there's also someone had published an article saying both girls were sort of blaming each other. But in the footage I watched, it wasn't as blamey as I thought it was going to be. It was more of they hadn't completely like resonated what was wrong about what they did. Ooh. So some of it would be like, yeah, this was Anise's idea and then I did this. Or Morgan's idea and then I did this. I felt like for the most part, they might have sort of said it in a way that sounded less bad. But I didn't think either one said things in a way that was just like, fuck my friend. Like, how do I get out of trouble? Sure, yeah. But I do think there was some interpretation of that. So I'm going under the interpretation that both of these girls felt like one girl took initiative over one action and the other took over the initiative the other action. And whatever the motivation behind it, I don't think it was... Anyway, blamey, I think it has more to do with their mental states, which I'll kind of get into here. Yes. So it seems like Morgan was the one who brought up the idea that they should become proxies or these servants for Slender Man. But it was Nisa, in my understanding, who who founded Slender Man. So Nisa, in her internet time that her parents didn't know about, which, to be honest, that is so normal. <laughs> So does it matter how she got, got onto the internet? Do you think that matters? I personally don't think that matters. Okay. I think people want to use that in the sort of satanic panic wielding way of, well, you see, this is why the internet's bad for children. And it's like, that's not an argument. Okay. Yes. I actually do understand what you're saying now. I think this is my interpretation of what you are saying that we probably should do as not only Midwestern parents should do, but all parents, is that you have the open door where Anissa goes and reads about Slenderman is like, what is this thing? And then you as a parent talk to her and say, this is a internet meme that's supposed to be funny, but it's not real. But like they made it clear from the get-go that that conversation is not, is right. not a normal conversation in our house. But it should be. But it should be. Yeah, if we could make it so it was and this might not have happened. So my cousin, one of her best friends, had a child when she was like fresh out of high school. So this child kind of became raised by all of her aunties, so to speak. It was all of the girlfriends plus the mom who kind of helped raise this kid. And I didn't know this until some years later when honestly I hitched a ride with her to the neighboring town to get another ride to somewhere else. And the topic of parenting came up and she made it abundantly clear. Like the thing with my daughter is I've always have been like anything you want to talk about, anything you have a question about. And then she like listed things her daughter had asked her about, which were like mostly benign stuff, but also stuff like, you know, what is sex? And she's sure. like, and I told yeah. my daughter like, six years old, what sex actually was. Because if I don't tell her, she's going to find it on the internet. And yeah. 
And there's no judgment because I obviously had her before I was married or even in a committed relationship or whatever the case was. So she comes from this background. And I'm not saying that that would have prevented this murder. But I do think that sort of communication between adults and children of like, you are not developed to understand this world. Because this world was created from centuries of poor understandings. But I can help guide you there and understand what I know and point you to sources so you can understand more. And I think too many people are like falling under this umbrella of like, well, if I only teach my kid the good things and the innocent things and the mystical things like Santa Claus and the tooth fairy, my kid's going to be okay. And I think that's the the problem with that thinking because then when they discover Slender Man, they're like, I don't think this is mom's forte, yeah. so I'm not going to ask mom. So like I said before, these girls were going to garner the trust of Slender Man. And that means we need to murder someone. Murder. And they decided it would be their like one friend whose name is Peyton Lutner or Lautner. I could be saying that wrong. And she was gifted a name Bella by Morgan. So in a lot of published accounts, she's referred to Bella and she's referred to Peyton. I will be using Peyton because that is her given her name. actual name, yes. They actually came up with a lot of plans on how they would kill their friend. Okay, can we just take one step back and say, were they her friend before they came with the plan, or did they make the plan and then they become friends with this girl? They were already friends. Okay, they so actually even told her about Slender Man. Okay. Like, she was friends with Morgan first, and then when Anissa came in the picture, she was like, okay, we're all three friends. Peyton was actually kind of a weirdo, too. So it was like, oh, we're all three weirdos. Isn't this great? It's a trifecta. And in retrospect, the interviews, and I'm not saying this skeptically, I'm saying, because I feel like I had that tone. But Peyton was like, I did not believe in the uh, whole Slender Man thing. And, and that could actually just be a reflection of her mental space was maybe a little more well-adjusted than the other two. But yeah. maybe she was also just saying that in retrospect of like, yeah, I definitely don't believe in what the fuck these bitches were saying. Either way, you're yeah. definitely not going to believe in Slenderman. <laughs> she wasn't into it. And so they start to make plans without her because she's not buying into their story. I mean, that's probably it. I can definitely think of times in my my adolescence where two of us clicked the third one didn't so we came up with our own plans that is very much teenage behaviors i don't think that that's wild and they from the girls testimony they had been planning this for over a year but the plan that they settled on was they were gonna do it the night of Morgan's birthday celebration and they were going to do it that night so Morgan's mom took him to the skating rink she said in an interview how nothing seemed odd that night the girls were laughing and having fun and being pals and I think the girls also might have testified in like their detective interviews that they felt like they were too tired to kill her that night and Morgan wanted to give Peyton one more morning. Holy crap. And that morning they got up and everything was normal. They ate donuts and strawberries. They played games. They played role-playing games. Morgan was really into Star Trek, so she would play a lot of like Star Trek fantasy pretend games. Then they asked Morgan's mom, can we go to the park? Morgan's mom being like, yeah, you guys are just going to the park. Go to the park. Who cares? And on the way to the park, Peyton ran ahead and Morgan had taken a knife from the kitchen. And this is when she revealed it to Anissa. The plan is happening. I have the knife. 
So there was a lot of, because they're pre-adolescent girls with no real plan, there's a lot of improvising what the plan is to murder their one friend. And I'm laughing not because it's funny to murder your friend. I'm laughing because this is a crazy scenario. It really is. Like, I'm just horrified. And I'm sure we'll get to this kind of thing later. But it does seem like something is wrong in your brain. If you can go to the roller skating rink, go have a sleepover, eat donuts, and then murder your friend. Like, there's a disconnect there. I think you're definitely on to something. Ooh. Ooh. Molly's hot take. (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Maybe don't murder your friends. Yeah, you can't murder anyone. But if you're going to murder someone, I would say avoid Avoid something you enjoy. So Anissa had this idea that they shouldn't murder Peyton in the restroom at this park because there's drains in the floor. And she was thinking if we stab her, then her blood will just go into the drains and that'll be fine. Good God. My God. Okay. Which only a teen, a preteen girl would would draw that conclusion of important details. The blood must drain into a drain. So that's number one on the priority list. My God. So they go to the bathroom and niece is like, can you like make yourself fall asleep or pass out? And Peyton's like, sure. So she sits down and closes her eyes and it's clear like she's not falling asleep. So Anissa like bops her on the head, on her forehead. So Peyton's head will hit the cement. And this is like how bad TV is because I think about this a lot actually whenever I watch something like Riverdale where it's like no one just like gets knocked out by a hit. Or it's not like that predictable whether or not someone gets knocked out by a hit. So she hits her friend in the head thinking she's going to hit the back of her head and pass out. But instead, Pete's like, what the fuck are you doing? I don't know if she said what the fuck. Right, but but that's what I picture. Oh, my God. This story is ridiculous. So that didn't work. And then Anissa had another idea. We'll just make her run. And so, like, this park is kind of connected to a, it's more like a forest, which I feel like if you're from the Midwest or maybe anywhere, that makes sense. I don't, I think if you're from a true metropolis, that might seem confusing. Yeah. But there's a forest connected to the park, essentially. So she's like, why don't we play hide and go seek and you run into the forest and we'll come find you? pain sure whatever fine fuck so she runs in and then it's morgan and anisa again and they're talking and anisa's like oh wait i have to go into why anisa wanted peyton to close her eyes or be asleep yes so the reason anisa wanted peyton to like close her eyes or be asleep was because Anissa had read on the internet that if you try to murder someone and their eyes are open, you will see yourself and then you will be murdering yourself and you don't want to kill yourself. Wow. Okay. So it wasn't like you should pretend to be asleep because we're going to sneak up on you and Right. That's what I thought. It was like this huge fear that I would be killing myself. What is on the internet? Why? Why is that on the internet? Which is, as an adult who reads creepy forums, I love that detail of being on the internet because it is a hilarious sidestepping to what is actually going on. But maybe when someone is not of the same mental development as me, there's a different mystical meaning behind that. Just some gobsmacked right now. Like, what is going on? Back to what I was saying. They tell Peyton, why don't you go run in the forest and we'll play hide and go seek. So Peyton runs ahead and Anissa tells Morgan that they will be like two lionesses coming up on their prey. Which the testimony of her saying that is just like so bizarre because I think from the video footage I saw and from people's 
articles of like retelling what they saw. I think they really want to assign like more innocence to Anissa. But I, I think in my interpretation of what I saw on the video footage is that like, there's obviously something wrong with both these girls' interpretation of reality yeah, yeah. and how to handle this. And yes, I do not think either one of them should have been tried as adults. I think that this is obviously a mental development problem. Yeah. yeah. Like describing murdering your friend as two lionesses. And this is the girl that people like to write about as the more somehow innocent one or the less chaotic one sure. is like clearly something is not calibrated here. And I don't think that that's, I don't think it's weird. I think when I was that age, I did not fully grasp empathy in the way that I definitely grasp it now. Like I think as an adult, I'm way more empathetic than when I was a child. Yeah, that's true. So I, I get their disconnect in that sort of way, but like trying to say that, Trying to pick one girl as more yeah. innocent than the other in this case, you have an issue with yourself and morality. <laughs> I think yeah. we all just need to accept that both of these girls were willingly trying to yeah. murder their friend, <laughs> their true. one friend. It does seem like that. So Peyton runs ahead. The girls catch up to her. Anissa actually... And I believe this was in both their testimonies. Anissa tells Morgan, you have to do it. You said we are going to become proxies, so you do the murdering. And Morgan actually was like, what the fuck? And she had a freak out. Again, I don't think she said what the fuck. But she had a nervous fit. And then starts saying that she's a cat to calm down. Oh, my which both of these girls are huge cat owners. So I think there's something to say about being like a cat owner and like doing erratic behavior. And I'm saying that as a person who has spent a lot of time with cats. Yikes. Um, so Morgan goes up to Peyton and she whispers Peyton's ear, I'm sorry, and just begins stabbing her over and over and over again. And Peyton cries out, I hate you. I trusted you. And then she starts saying, I can't see. I can't see. And then after 19 stab wounds, Morgan stops. And they start to tell their friend Peyton that she needs to to calm down and that they're going to lead her towards home. But they lead her deeper into the woods. Anissa tells her, she needs to lay down and calm down because then she'll lose less blood, which I think I'm going back to like both of these girls are in it to win it. So their only plan that the two had was to just run until they couldn't run anymore and run towards a local state park that I think is called the Nicollet national forest which was a huge national forest that is takes four or five hours to get there by car and morgan was convinced that if they got there they would get to slender man's mansion in the middle of the woods and he would welcome them with open arms wow at some point anisa she starts to break down and then in her interview she notates that Morgan, who rarely ever cries, she also starts to break down too. And she tries to call out Slenderman for help, which of course he never appears. And Morgan flippantly, like it's a very, very interesting statement she makes while being interviewed about this, about stabbing her friend Peyton. And she stated, if it makes Anissa happy, she says, it's hard enough to make friends. I don't want to lose them over something like this. So it's kind of like the worst improv scene for like two 12-year-old girls. Like, Good. We declared this was our reality, and now we have to yes-and it to a literal death. 
So they're trying to get away. And while they're doing this, Peyton has crawled her brave, broken body to the side of the road. And she's spotted by a cyclist who calls 911 and is trying to comfort her. After that call, Morgan and Anissa were apprehended by sheriff deputies near Interstate 94. And they were confused. They knew the call was that this girl was stabbed by her friends. And when they found the two girls who've done it, they're like, you are so little and so young. Uh, yeah, that w- I would be also very confused. And I also feel like the fact that all three of these girls are white, it's hard not to think about like how that kind of plays into what their innocence is. Like, yeah, yeah. It becomes a more complex conversation of how we raise our kids. But I really honestly think if these girls weren't white, it'd be like they're all going to a chair. Right, yeah, yeah. Like it wouldn't be a discussion. It would just be like they're inherently evil and that's all we need to know. But because they're white, we're all like, how do you parent children? There's a lot of problems, I think, with this court case because they had to decide whether or not they were going to be tried as children or adults. And the judge ultimately decides they should be tried as adults. But never are they treated like adults in their whole court hearing or even the interviews. It wasn't like they were offered lawyers. It's not like they understood what their rights were. Yeah. So I think there's something very problematic telling these people that they might spend their life in jail, which of course they're white, so they won't. But like our whole concept of the judicial system, I think you could really see how yeah. fucked up it is in this. For real. Maybe there's, I don't want to speculate too much, but maybe there is a reason they should have been tried as adults just because of some sort of legal thing where the length of sentence or something like that. That's a good point. I watched the judge sentencing in the doc and he pointed out that while they're like girls making this decision, the issue he had, which I don't know, I'm really feel like judges are pieces of shit. I'm sure there's a few good ones, but fuck, dude. The point he had was that if they were tried as children, by the time they were 18, there would be no one to be accountable for them. Sure, yeah. So that's why he had them tried as adults. Yeah, I think there is that kind of line because I don't think that just like they turn 18 and then they're free to go seems very smart because... Obviously, they have some massive issues, but you have to also be really careful because they literally are children. So there probably shouldn't be a difference. It really should just be based on the circumstances of the case. This is how we're going to treat it. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think this definitive line in our society is bogus and antiquated. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it really is. And they they confess to everything, too. Right. They spare no detail. Like, they are just like, yep, here's what we did. Because their understanding of the world is that Slender Man exists. They did this for this entity. So we're telling you we did this because we wanted to be protected by Slender Man. And that's part of our reality. Yeah. That already cues everyone that there's something mentally not correct here. And they do go under many psychiatric evaluations. Both had obvious problems distinguishing reality, like I said. For Anissa, it's more like a shared delusion, which I know we say this like in every episode, but that's like an episode topic. Yeah. Like there is some science behind People sharing delusions, even if you are passing psychiatric evaluations, another person's delusion can overcome your acceptance for what is reality. Sure. And I say that um, Morgan was actually diagnosed as schizophrenic. And this is like a very young age to be diagnosed as a schizophrenic. Right. But she's claiming to have conversations with all kinds of people. With She says she's been talking to ghosts since the age of three. She's talking that Professor Snape has 
kept her up until the wee hours of the morning just talking to her. Her frame of reality is very much out there. And what she actually didn't know, um, and her parents kept a secret from her, is that her father is a schizophrenic. Okay, yeah. Which is a huge causation of schizophrenia, that it is genetic. So she's been growing up with her father with no idea of his own mental stability, and he's actually a high-functioning schizophrenic aware that he's having hallucinations when he's having them. And that's a whole interesting interview that he did. And she was the one who named her friend Peyton Bella. Like that was her, like, your name is Bella now. And we are best friends and we love each other. And she honestly believed after stabbing her friend 19 times that they were still going to be friends when she came out of the situation. And she's like telling her parents this, which is fucking out there, right? Yeah. So at a hearing in December of 2014, the judge found Morgan capable of standing trial. And he said she has to go back to her hospital or the institution she's been in for treatment. But the facility could no longer actually take her because she's been deemed competent by the court. Oh, no. Oh, no. So her parents asked for her 500000 bail to be reduced to a signature bond so she could be moved to, say, like a group or a group home for girls yeah. where she could get treatment. But the request was denied because the home was not considered safe enough for oh, that. Please. So... She's diagnosed as schizophrenic. She's not being treated for it. And she wasn't treated for it until January of 2016. So she's been in custody for 19 months and not treated for a condition that she has been diagnosed. And I think the diagnosis came obviously later than 2014. But a person who's living under like these sort of delusions, who's staying up all night talking to themselves, and you're just like, nope. You can't get treatment. So by the time she's medicated, she shows rapid improvement. Um, And like I said, that was January of 2016. However, by May of that year, she attempts to cut her arm with a broken pencil, thus placing her on a suicide watch. So it's like very, maybe they'll write tell-alls one day, but very interesting and not even all that unique. Another article I'd read had compared this whole story to that of something that happened in New Zealand in like in 1954 with like two best friends who try to murder one of the best friend's mother. And you can watch the movie. It's a Peter Jackson movie called Heavenly Creatures. It's very good. Kate Winslet's in it and she's like a teenager. Super great movie because it also has like very weird Peter, early Peter Jackson like puppetry. But that story... Of like, there's this like, I think it's the hormone imbalance of teenage girls, but you feed into like your own world and you build that up. And when you're in a world that is full of like lies from adults, from people you trust, it makes sense that you would like create a best, a world with your best friend and create your own rules for that world, which in their world means Slender Man is dope as hell. You think that somewhere in the back of their mind, I'm curious to know why did they not actually kill her? Well, I think they thought they had killed her. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, 19 times. And I think there were like two or three stab wounds for Peyton that were like very close to her organs. Okay. So, I mean, when they were caught, and I didn't say this before, but when they were caught, Anissa's first question was, how far did we run? I just want to know how far we got because I'm not usually athletic. And the thing I found infuriating when people were trying to pick, like, which girl was evil, Morgan asked, like, did she die? Did my friend die? I'm just curious. Or I was just wondering. And I don't I don't think she said I'm just wondering, like, because I don't give a shit. Like, I don't give a shit about my friend. I think they had bought so much into this delusion that there was probably a thought of, what does this mean now? What does yeah. this mean now morally for us? Like, we barely understand what morals are. 
Are you okay? I'm. I don't. I don't know how to feel about this story. Is there more? Is there any post? What happened? So they both were tried as adults. Both were found guilty. I think they might have actually done some sort of plea deals. But Anissa was sentenced 25 years to life with three years of locked confinement, involuntary treatment at a psychiatric institution, and will be under communal supervision until she's 37 years old. Morgan was sentenced to a maximum of 40 years to life, three years of locked confinement, involuntary treatment at a state psychiatric institution until symptoms are resolved or until the age of 53, whichever happens first, and she'll be under communal supervision. And Peyton, she has healed physically from her wounds, and she's trying to actually move on with her life. Yeah, yeah. She said in an interview about her scars, it's a part of me. I don't think much about them, and they'll probably go away and fade eventually. So I think she's very much like, she'll be like that girl you meet at a college icebreaker that's like, my friends tried to kill me. And then you're like, damn, I'll never be as goth as that girl. And of course, like the town itself had a whole reaction about it. And the sheriff was like, there's dark and wicked things on the internet. And there was like a satanic panic backlash. And what I think is really most important about all of this is just like absolute transparency. I think... When you put kids in a situation of the Santa Claus exists and this is your whole morality is based on imaginary entities. Of course, in Morgan's case, she was clinically schizophrenic. So you could have told her anything. But I think not making those distinguishing differences is hindering. And maybe I'm being like a no fun guy. But I mean, how do you distinguish those differences? Yeah, it feels like to me that it could not have been, even if her parents had been like, Santa Claus isn't real. I don't know that she would have even cared. Morgan. Morgan. If she's talking to Snape in the bedroom, then she already has a level of connection with the not real level that even if Santa Claus wasn't real at that point, like, who cares? Because Snape is. Yes, Morgan, you probably could be completely transparent, but that would also would have been more abundantly clear to the parents had they had conversations like that with their daughter, like, oh, she's not understanding the difference between reality and make-believe. And then they would have realized maybe there's some sort of chemical imbalance within our daughter's mind. Yeah, that would have been really nice. Though I'm actually really surprised because I didn't even think that you could technically diagnose children with schizophrenia. It's that rare to do that. So it would be like, yeah, she has a a lot of issues. So what does that mean for her? Even if she hadn't killed anyone, where does she go? How how much help can she get? That is true. It's really hard to diagnose children as schizophrenic because a lot of them do sort of dabble in a different made-up world than adults but i think given her genetic disposition which it's not like she understood what schizophrenia was and was like creating stories but it became clear like she's not sleeping they would ask her questions like so part of it was she was like isolated alone and was allowed to watch tv so her parents would ask her questions like oh what are you gonna watch tonight on tv and she'd be like oh it depends on what everybody else wants to watch and it's like Oh, okay. You're yeah. <laughs> like, it's probably, your choice. Yeah, they probably should have picked up on that. And that's definitely something her parents remark on in interviews. You know, how how are you supposed to take, like, what your kid's saying? It's part of their imagination. And, like, how much of that do you read into? And how much of that right. is a signal for something more serious? You don't want to be an asshole. And, like, make it out to be a bigger thing than it is. I mean, I keep thinking about The Simpsons with Ralph. And he's like, the leprechaun made me do it. And we all laughed at that. You know, I can see why they tried to paint Anissa as the innocent one, even though she clearly wasn't. But, I mean, once you learn that one of them has schizophrenia, it's like, even though... She was obviously instigating a lot of it. I can see how people would assign blame to 
the one with the delusions in the first place. Well, they some of the stuff I read was trying to like dissect, you know, who who emoted what. Right. So it was like yeah. Morgan's Morgan didn't emote, and it's like, but a huge symptom of schizophrenia is that you don't emote like an average person. <laughs> And even when you watch Anissa talk, you're like splitting hairs on what is yeah. emoting correctly. And they're they're 12 year olds, and both of them tested negatively for sociopathic tendencies. It wasn't just like a blatant disregard yeah. of feelings yeah. or non connecting with humans. You know, right? Yeah, it does really seem more like a they really thought they had to do this because Slenderman is actually a person who actually does things. Ooh, that's mind-blowing. Should I watch this documentary? Or do you think it would be too dark? It's kind of interesting. I think the documentary does a great job. Aside from the Pied Piper tangent, Yeah, that was the one part where I was like, I feel like they're... Because they never really explain it. Yeah. Because it it's not... Slender Man's history. Yeah, yeah. I would say the the fake lore versus folklore bullshit, which I think has very little weight, is a more accurate road to go down because mm-hmm. then you're looking at the history of folklore versus the Pied Piper story. I think it's like a allegory of, see, something like this has existed before. I mean, I'm sure someone at some point blatantly says what the connection is, but I remember watching it and being like, this probably would have been a great documentary without this. Yeah, that pan- part. Like, I didn't need that. But the interviews are very interesting, very candid. Like, Morgan's mom actually talks about the first time that they screened Bambi together as a family. And she was like, we put it off. We were scared to see Morgan's reaction when Bambi moms dies. But then when that scene came, Morgan actually didn't seem to empathize at all with the scenario and instead was like, Bambi, save yourself. And the parents were relieved in that moment because they were like, oh, great. This is not, doesn't seem to horrify her. And I also think that reaction, I don't think is that weird. Like, yeah, kids were taught things like racism. And I think we're taught things like empathy. And I'm not saying our parents did a terrible job of teaching our empathy. I'm just saying it's a large net to grasp at a young age. Yes, it is something that builds. And I think you're right. I think I probably was less empathetic when I was young, too. Kids are bratty. And I'm saying that as someone who's probably a bratty kid. Like, you think... I want that toy. I want right. that snack. How do I get a treat? That's a huge influence for good behavior. And it's a technique that teachers and parents use. You get a treat if you behave. Right. It's embedded in the fucking system. It is. We should also be having more conversations of what it feels like when you hit someone and and what it feels like when you steal someone's toy. Like, yeah. I think those conversations are going to provide more connection for children and as they grow as adults than just showing them a scenario and hoping that they interpret the correct emotions. I totally agree because I think that parents, they will like, they're just like, here, here's some, a good moral of the story, but they don't, if they don't talk about it, the child, it just goes right over their heads. Like it showed Anissa's internet history on the doc. And it showed her like taking the quiz, are you a sociopath? And she was like, oh, I scored a hell yeah or something. And like, this is a kid taking a dumb quiz who's kind of aware of what the quiz is. So does she understand the gravity and feels really proud of that? Or is it something satirical for a 12-year-old? I think in some regards, 12-year-olds have some access to satire. Yeah. But not enough but not enough to understand. That was a fun, that was a super fun topic. Thanks for researching that. I was afraid it might've been too scary. No, it was okay because it it did. It reminded me of, because I really had not thought of it seriously until those girls tried to murder the other one. And then it was like, wait a second, hold up. This is not so funny anymore. And it was just weird. It's a weird turn of events. Well, where could people find you, Molly? 
You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at MollyMM9. And you can find me on those platforms at Bridget underscore suck it. And you can find sex with ghosts, sex with ghosts underscore. And if you ever want to email us a question, concern, a story, share something with us that we could do a whole episode on, you can email us sexwithghostpodcast at gmail.com. We're hoping to set up another guest this month and our end of the month extravaganza. Oh, yeah. We have an end of the month Patreon planned where Molly and I will be doing a mini show this month. And we'll still all hang out and play our drinking games, of course. Yes. This month will be a little bit different. I think we are going to try to choose the topic and talk about it live. So that should be fun. Where you can interrupt us. And it'll be fun for everyone involved. I think that's it. Okay, bye. Bye.